Hey friend, welcome to the Planter Podcast, where we focus on faith, growth, and lifestyle. This is a podcast that propels both men and women to live their God-given purpose, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Damio Shodi, and I'm so happy that you're here listening to the Planter Podcast. On this episode of the Planter Podcast. What does it look like to break that culture? What does it look like to break that culture that perpetuates and that, I don't know, that blame shifting culture, that that sh- that victim blaming culture, that slut shaming culture? What does that even look like to protect men's egos and um, their fragility? What does that look like to break that in the church? And when we break it, what is the process of which we actually now can start remediating and start addressing? Essie, you got anything? Well, um, I would like to introduce a concept called restorative justice. I don't know if you guys heard of restorative justice circles. Yeah. um, Yeah. So I would say restorative justice circles is kind of a lot of abolitionists, folks who do social justice work, folks who just don't believe in um, kind of um, punitive um, or retributive um, approaches to justice. They kind of do restorative. That's how we that things are handled in the community. So restorative justice, justice is something that more so personalizes a crime. Um, and it kind of focuses on more so like the theory of justice and it considers crime to be a wrongdoing to like individuals and the, or the community rather than just the state. So the reason why I would say that is because with restorative justice, you also, you want folks to understand their wrong. You want to make sure that victims are centered. This is what restorative justice does. It centers victims, right? And it holds offenders accountable by their actions. But it also recognizes that people aren't expendable, aren't disposable. So it makes sure that pe- people are accountable to the wrong, their wrongdoings in a way um, that actually restores them, that's more restorative. And it also allows victims to decide on how they want to see based they like based on the it, it actually allows them to decide for themselves like how do they want to what do they want to see happen. And it also lets the community also decide on what they want to see happen because the harm you know what I'm saying just to say that the harm is more so on the individual in the community. So for I say this like most of the time I'll say for example like there's like ongoing issues with sexual assault right. And what would usually happen is you'll have folks, you, you even have people in the South Florida, they, they, they have, they're like, they lead um, restorative justice circles and stuff. So let's say someone does a sexual assault, um, a, a person who's trained in restorative justice will hold a circle and will call for a restorative justice circle um, between the victim and the offender. Um, and in that process, like um, the, vic- the offender kind of gets aware of the wrongdoings that they did and instead of like, because it's easy to be completely honest with, it's easy to just throw them away, but that doesn't really sh- ensure that they know what they actually did. Um, and also, if you have a lot of folks, I mean, especially just within the faith altogether, like you don't want to expend people and just dispose of them. I mean, it depends on the wrongdoing, of course, but you also want to make sure that like people, like like people, their justice is actually like the wrongdoing that they did. They actually learn through it and grow through it. Um, because people, you know, um, rape and everything else, like people can overcome that. People can overcome patriarchy. People can come other things. People are flawed, but people can still learn and grow and through other things. So with restorative justice, it's a way to ensure accountability between victims. Like it's a way for victims and the community to kind of decide the parameters of what should happen to a specific person, you know? 
So like, of course, there'll be mediated spaces. There'll be like a mediator of the immediate spaces to kind of talk about and talk through what happened. It even allows the offender to even kind of talk through what, what they did. Like, why did you rape? Like, not just kind of get a slap on the wrist and go, but not even just get thrown away into a, a prison and just like just sit there not even understanding what their problem is it actually allows them to get help and actually really figure out this is what you did why did you do it and actually work through it and get to a point where they're restored and then it also allows the community to decide well what do you think should happen based on blah 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 you know what i'm saying so for I, me mm-hmm. i would say that I would say there's more, like, I have more research to be done in restorative justice circles. I've been in a restorative justice circle before. I've seen how it happened in, in cases of sexual assault. Um, but I would say look up more restorative justice circles um, in the church. It's not something that's just like, you know, oh, we're just going to talk and mediate through things. But it also allows um, victims to be uplifted and be centered at the, and at the same time holding offenders accountable. And at the same time, there's a lot of studies that show that there are higher rates of victim satisfaction and offender accountability when restorative justice um, is actually taking place. I completely agree with what you're saying. I think I'm looking at it a, a, a little bit harsher because of my own personal take on the situation. I'm just assuming when it comes to little kids and touching little kids, you already know it's wrong. Okay, and, and I, I've, I've been presented, I, I, restorative justice works depending on the situation and the victim and the, and, and the, um, the abuser in the case and how old they are. Um, I don't think it would be as effective for restorative justice to be the go-to solution when it comes to someone in a three-year-old or a five-year-old, you know? Because the idea of restorative justice is that the victim themselves can voice and, you know, say how they feel and present their case in a manner where they're protected and they're encouraged. Okay. A three-year-old vocabulary is very limited in that case, you know? Um, And I think to some extent, someone who goes and touches a little kid know what they're doing is wrong. Hence why they probably tell the little kid, Oh, don't say no one. This is, don't say this to anyone. This is our little secret, you know? So, but I think, yeah, definitely. Um, I think what you're saying about restorative justice is is really good because as a church and it's a community, people are not, um, they're not dispensable in the sense that you can throw them away. They matter, they value, and it should be more about healing and making sure they don't, they're not repeated offenders and they don't keep doing what they're doing because they learn from the first time that they did it. But they're well, just, hmm? No, continue. It's my bad. Oh, no, no, you can say it. I was saying that, like, I would disagree because restorative ju- justice can also take place within, it involves the community. Um, and I would say restorative justice has historically taken place um, with countless societies. And I think that um, it may seem more so focused on, like, the victim and the community gets to decide on what action that takes place. So, like, in the case of a preacher, if a preacher was known to touch kids in the church, like, the community can actually come together and hold them accountable and to talk about the harm that was done, talk about what what the harm has done to the church, and they can actually come up with their own, come up with themselves on what should be done to the preacher. So like the church can sit there and say, you harmed the trust of the community, you went against scripture, and we personally would not like it if you were away from the church, or we, we don't want you in your position no more. We want you to be removed from your position, um, and we want you to be blah, 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 blah. Quite frankly, I don't think punitively um, that really, I don't think 
the punitive approach actually addresses sexual assault and actually teaches people about what they actually did. I mean, there's plenty of preachers that 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 rape and whatever kids, no matter what, they they know what's wrong at the end of the day. So like slapping them on the wrist and or just throwing them away and just putting them away does not really teach them anything. Um, I think that they actually need to sit and face what they've done and the community needs to be able to heal. I think that's the biggest thing that happens in restorative justice too, is that victims, the community actually gets a chance to heal. And I think that a lot of times that you may have preachers that do something and the church just kind of just goes along with, just goes along and just, but people just haven't really healed from that. I mean, like, I'm trying to think of a church. I mean, there's so many, but like, it just happens where folks really get negatively impacted by um, a member doing a harm in church or whatever, and they don't really get to heal through that trauma. And I think that restorative justice just is a great way to ensure that there's accountability, but like intentional accountability, making sure that people actually understand and measure the, what they've done and then also ensure healing and yeah, from victims. And I think that the thing that I guess, I don't know, I, I, I get what you're saying. You're saying that children can't really articulate. I no, think no, that I agree. children can speak and as well as like, the community itself, like people in the church can articulate the grounds of which they want to see happen. So like if they want the member, the, the pastor gone, they'll have them gone. But the, also the church may also want to say, hey, we want you to take a class or we want you to go to, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, I don't know the right name for it, but we want you to go to someone that can talk to you about why you uh, touch kids for six months. And at the same time, we want you away from your position. Yeah. And then we also want you to pay for you know, this, I don't know, like, it's just a, it's just a, a mediated way to kind of actually like handle sexual assault, but like accountability is there. Like, it's not even, it's not like it's like a hipster way where people talk in the circle. That's not how what search justice is at all. That's why I said that, like, probably look into it, but like, it actually allows for like accountability to actually happen as opposed to folks either just like slapping them on the wrist and allowing them to stay there or just kind of just like, just kind of just writing them off. Because I agree like, with you. I didn't yeah. say that I was going to take the punitive route. I didn't say that's what I was saying. I was just shedding some light on restorative justice in this in, in this state. Because you said the church and as the community itself. But I'm saying in certain instances, it is the church that's protecting the abuser. That's that's where I was going at it. There, it's the church, the congregation itself, the community itself, protecting the person that harmed the child. Um, yeah. It's that voice that I'm saying we need to restorative justice is a great idea and I agree. You know, um, when you it's like putting a, a band-aid on a on, on a wound, but the wound is not healing. You just put a band-aid on it. That person just doesn't know what they did wrong. And you know, usually people who are led to even be in that predicament have a seriously deep rooted issue that they need professional help for. And when you send someone to jail that's not really prescriptive. It's just you know, prolonging a deeper rooted issue. Um, but I'm saying it's like, we're talking about church culture and how the church is more inclined to protect the abuser. There are congregations who are not willing to out their pastor because that's their leader. You know, there are congregations who are not willing to accept the fact that this, they would rather say that the victim themselves is lying, that the pastor would never do that than to actually even present the case. You know, what you're saying is a very developed and mature thought, you know, that they're even having that platform. You know, 
people nip sexual assault cases in the, in the church so quick before it even gets to the point where you can discuss what happened. You know, usually victims go to their parents first and say, hey, mom, dad, this is what happened. They'll be like, hush now. Don't you dare say that. That's our pastor. You know, we can't do that. Your dad's a deacon. And if you go say that, it's going to ruin everything, you know? So it's just baby stuff. But I believe me, I am a firm believer of restorative justice. And I think it's as a, let me go specifically for the black community. That's where we need to start first. But honestly, in the church stance right now, like our culture and our body as Christ, we just do not encourage victims to speak up, to even allow us to take such a mature and actually effective method in dealing with the problem. I think restorative justice is the goal, but we should start a little bit smaller to get up to that. But that's the goal. Well, I think that if we're talking about what quote unquote punishment looks like, what, um, like if we're talking about ways in which we can combat rape culture in the church and sexual assault, I don't think we're too far off when we talk about um, implementing restorative justice. I just think that maybe it put a lot of put actually political education needs to happen. But I think that if we're if we're if we're reimagining what it looks like to kind of actually have um, children and women's voices kind of lifted in the church, if we if we if we're reimagining what it looks like to um, uplift voices, to talk about consent, to elevate women to talk about, if we're really reimagining and we're, we're, we're radically thinking about what needs to happen in the church for us to flourish, then I don't think it's, I don't think it's too far off or too advanced to even throw in restorative justice. I think that it's appropriate actually, if we're gonna throw in consent conversations, that we can have a lot of political conversation about sex. Like if we're, as a part of talking about consent and talking about everything else, part of that conversation too is, okay, so then what happens when someone harms someone in the church um what happens when someone gets harmed in our spaces or what happens when it doesn't even happen to church what if it just happens with someone we know in the church like it happens somewhere else but that person is someone that we see go to church with or whatever or i don't know like what happens when the incidents happen what does it look like like what do you want you want your church like what does a safe space look like you see the church as your safe space how do you want that to look like and when someone violates that safe space what do you want that to look like? And how do you want that to be um, remediated? Like, how do you want that to be handled? And I think that having this conversation is really important and throwing that in political education and teaching folks about the ways in which they can handle sexual assault and offenders and victims in a very intentional way um, is very proactive. And I think that, I don't know, I just don't think that it's too far off. I think that while we're reimagining, I think that, that we shouldn't be too afraid to just be like, hey, like, while we're going to sit there and say we should have consent classes, let's also have a conversation about what it looks like to have restorative justice. What does it look like to have real justice in the church? Like the real justice, the, the, the real stuff that Jesus talked about. What does it look like to really, really like, you know, have that? Like, and I think that's more so where I'm getting at. Because even, even if church members, like that culture, what does it look like to break that culture? What does it look like to break that culture that perpetuates and that, I don't know, that blame shifting culture, that that sh that victim blaming culture, that slut shaming culture? What does that even look like to protect men's egos and um, their fragility? What does that look like to break that in the church? And when we break it, what is the process of which we actually now can start remediating and start addressing? I think they're really... Um, 
Yeah, I definitely agree. So it's it goes back down to education. It just that's really the best result when it comes to that is just education on on, on every level. So I completely utterly agree. Yep, yeah. let's like let's do it. And I think the young people are the ones that's gonna do it. I think that at some point the young people are gonna be the ones that are gonna tell the folks that are like, oh, I really want to chase after and figure out why these people don't like God. And the young people are just like, yo, like for real, for real, you guys are just toxic and problematic and we don't want to do this anymore. And if you really want to get to like the bottom of Christ and God, then you need to do things our way. Or at least change your ways. I mean, I think for what you guys said, um, it was just providing, I guess, different avenues to help us understand how to keep people accountable. Because I know you've mentioned to me um, the story of justice before, but I never really understood. No, I understood. I understood, and I never thought of it, actually, as um, in this situation. Honestly, I was like, just call the police and keep it moving. Like, that was always my thought. But those two options are also good options. But um, I think we're going to end right here. Because we've just been forever. (laughs) But I mean, unless anybody else has anything to say. No, I'm I'm good. I'm so happy you're sharing this subject and topic with the world. And I hope people are intrigued enough to, you know, go there and do a self-reflection on how they can help make the situation better, appease the situation, if you may say. So no, I think I'm good. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to, I guess, put this out there because I wanted people to feel equipped enough to handle this situation and make a change. Like, being able to have these conversations, feel comfortable having these conversations because other people are having these conversations that look like you, that are the same age as you, and how you can solve the problem and how you can be a part of the solution. So I have a question for those who are listening, and... You can comment on whatever media you can find me on, on the planter or on my social media. Um, I want to ask you guys, how real do you think or how prevalent is this issue of women and men and children being assaulted in churches? And what actions would you take to change them? So, again, just comment that uh, if that's on the website or on my social media, you can just comment your answer. So what would you do in order to change the dynamics of the church regarding this issue? But yep, that's it for me. Uh, You know where you can find me on social media and the website. Thank you so much for listening to the Planter Podcast. You know I greatly appreciate when you guys listen. Um, Please uh, comment. Let me know what you think about this podcast. And yeah, I will speak to you on another episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Planter Podcast. If you are absolutely loving the content that the Planter is creating, well, go ahead and subscribe to the Planter on iTunes. For more updates and staying connected with me, you can also subscribe to the Planter 
at theplanter.com. So that's T-H-E-P-L-A-N-N-T-E-R.com. To become a part of our community, uh, you can find us on Facebook at The Planter Community to stay connected with like-minded individuals who are trying to grow just like you. And you can find The Planter on all social media handles at The Planter. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you on the next episode.